The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode number 81. It is Tuesday, February 20th. We're a couple of days late here because the UFC card was on Sunday night. We usually record on Sundays, so we had to push this back a couple of days. I'm joined all the way in New Jersey by my co-host, Jeff Yamal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing on this Tuesday evening? I'm awesome, Bill, and it is surprisingly warm in New Jersey today. Uh, it was a high of 70, so really nice. nice to have. I think we are overdue. It's uh, it's getting close to the temperature where I can come visit. It's not there yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're, we're up in the 80s down here now, so this is like the perfect time of year, I think. Uh, so a lot of MMA action going on, and I, I was – I was drinking quite a few different things over the weekend, but I I don't have anything too exciting. Just like some more beers, some more of those stone IPAs. And then I was drinking vodka during the UFC. I figured, you know, it's a Sunday. I better lighten things up a little bit because normally I'm drinking whiskey and, and heavy beers during these cards. So I'm like, all right, let me switch up to vodka. I don't have anything that exciting for you guys. It's this uh, froggy bee vodka. It's, it's super cheap shit. Uh, I can say that because they're not a sponsor. Uh, but it, it has like this frog in a tuxedo on the label, and it says it's imported from France. And uh, it's organic, which if if you're buying alcohol that's not organic, I think that's a problem because it's it's usually just made out of corn or potatoes or, or like vegetables so um, or sugar. So I don't I don't see why alcohol wouldn't be organic. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring it up because I know it's not that interesting. It's just it's just a regular off the shelf vodka. The bottle kind of caught my eye, and I don't drink vodka that much, so I guess it's tolerable for a vodka. So what I did, Jeff, I had some friends come over who have some older kids a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think the oldest was like ten or so. So as a good host. I stocked my fridge with some, you know, child-friendly snacks and stuff like that. So I, I got a box of Capri Sun, which is a throwback to my childhood. I don't know about yours, Jeff. Is that a throwback to your childhood? It is indeed. So I, I get the Capri Sun. Got to go fruit punch because, you know, what else? I remember they did uh, High C was the other one when I was a kid. That was the other uh diabetes maker <laughs> they used to make the the ghostbusters flavor the ecto cooler <laughs> i was <laughs> i was really into ghostbusters as a kid so anyway i have all this capri sun in my fridge and i open the fridge and i'm like looking for something to throw in this vodka just to take the, the vodka taste out of it <laughs> and i see the capri sun and i was like why have i never thought about this before so i i cut open a bag of the capri sun 
I put it in a rocks glass with some ice and I mix it with the froggy bee vodka. And I, I don't know. I had a froggy Capri sun martini. I don't, I don't know what you would call it, but probably one of the most white trash drinks <laughs> I could have made vodka and Capri sun. But I got to tell you, Jeff, it wasn't bad. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a lot of sugar. You know, I don't like, I don't like a lot of sugar, but it was like the throwback, like mixed with the alcohol. So I don't know. I feel like because like the vodka doesn't show up on your breath. So you just smell like Capri Sun, but you're, you're still drunk. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Um, but actually, I'm all for this Capri Sun and vodka. It actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not bad if you got it let you know lying around if you have kids or whatever um i i don't know if i'll go out of my way to do this but because i had the ingredients i threw it together so i i offer that information to you all right so lots of mma action over the weekend let's start with the bellator card from friday night which seems like it was nine years ago and this was in uncasville connecticut at the mohegan sun arena um uh, th this is an arena that the UFC has outgrown uh, for for some time now. It's a it's a smaller one. It's inside a casino, obviously. So the headline was Matt Mitrione and Roy Nelson. This was a rematch. Uh, they fought in the UFC. Roy Nelson won. Um, and the the rest of the card had, I guess, some of their bigger stars on it: Patricky Pitbull, uh, Liam McGeary. Um, and then like some of their sideshow freaks. And this is, this is where I think Bellator still hasn't gotten it right. First of all, they're doing these cards on Friday nights. Nobody's watching on Friday nights. Uh, and there was no UFC this Saturday. So I don't understand, uh, you know, why they wouldn't book a venue to, to do this on a Saturday or even try to compete with the UFC a little bit. And they have half a roster of legitimate fighters and then they have half a roster of like guys with one or two fights that they're trying to build up. You know, you got Anthony, Anthony Pico, uh, Taiwan Claxton who fought on Friday night, had a pretty impressive performance. Uh, Heather Hardy, who is like the real life Harley Quinn. She's like walking daddy issues. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> i i don't know did you have any interest in this card when you saw it jeff i know you caught the main event but did uh anything pique your interest when you looked at the rest of this or did you even look at it uh no i i wasn't into this card at all actually um the only fight i saw was matt mitrione versus roy nelson and i'm still wondering how the judges gave that one to mitrione uh i was really surprised by that decision yeah i was kind of at the time also, but, uh, Mitrion's standup did look really, really good. Uh, Roy Nelson couldn't really do much on the feet because he couldn't get inside. Mitrion did a good job of keeping distance and keeping Roy on the outside. And when Roy did get inside, he was able to secure some takedowns. He wasn't able to do much with those takedowns until the third round when he was able to get Mitrion in that crucifix position. And I heard an argument that said that Mitrione won the first two rounds because of the striking and because Roy didn't do anything with the takedowns when he landed them. And the only reason, I forget who it was, I think it was Brendan Schaub, the only reason that he thought 
the decision could have gone differently is if Roy Nelson got a 10-8 round in the third because of that crucifix position, uh, in which case it would have been a draw. Uh, I'm not mad at that argument. I, I don't really care uh, about the outcome of this. I I I was excited when they first announced uh, a Bellator heavyweight tournament because I thought it was something that they really needed. But then they announced the fighters and half of them aren't even legitimate heavyweights. And then this thing has really had the steam let out of it, especially because if you do the math, we're not going to know who the heavyweight champion is until like April of next year, by the time they get through all these things. And then they're, it's older guys. So there's going to be injuries. So it, it's like, how long can you keep Mark? It's, it, it's almost like if they were, advertising christmas like now in february <laughs> like get your christmas shopping done people i'm like fuck off i don't do my christmas shopping till december 23rd <laughs> leave me alone uh, <laughs> so um i see what they were trying to do but uh, it just kind of lost all of its luster to me i don't know if you feel the same jeff yeah i feel like the wind kind of got knocked out of this tournament sails you know um we got frank mir in there and frank mir hasn't looked the same in years man even uh towards the end of his ufc career uh he got in a really bad motorcycle accident at one point and after that he just didn't look like the same guy um we have fedor in there i mean <laughs> fedor's up there in years man so yeah it's like you're almost worried about watching him fight now. It it's like when when kids are playing around like an expensive vase. <laughs> it's like you think it's just going to it's just going to crash to the ground into a million pieces and it's like an antique that's been in the family for years. Arguably one of the greatest fighters ever. So some people still say the greatest because of you know you know when Fedor was in his heyday, it, he seemed invincible. So I think because that curtain has been lifted and it was done in such a way uh, that was kind of shitty, like he never made it to the UFC because of some politics and managers and a bunch of drama and money. Um, and then he wound up losing uh, in strike force, I think, to Fabrizio Verdum. And then Dan Henderson knocked him out, who's really a middleweight. So anyway, uh, I, I didn't really care about which way the decision went. Uh, I didn't have a dog in that race. Um, I, I feel like it would even be better if they at least did like the fights on the same side of the bracket in the same night. So that way, you know, they could bring, or at least have the guys in the arena so they could like bring them in the cage after maybe they'll do that as it gets a little further, but all, all these fights are on different nights. So it's like, it's too spread out for me. I, I just can't get excited about it. So Patricky Pitbull, uh, with uh, a pretty nasty knockout of Derek Campos, knocked him out in the first round. I, I don't really know what that does for him if it gets him close to a title shot in the lightweight division. I know he's been, you know, a staple of the Bellator lightweight division since Bellator has been a thing. It was an impressive performance, but then they get him on the microphone and it was just a shit show. He couldn't promote himself, he couldn't call out the champion. Um, I can't even remember the champion's name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I remember for a while he used to be one of the most marketable guys, but there's that he had an impressive performance. And then he had Heather Hardy in there who 
had a loss in her last fight. She's one and one going into this and, and they still put so much marketing behind her. I understand she's a personality and she has a lot of professional boxing experience and they put her in there with a girl who was two and three, I guess. And then this fight wound up being a grappling match. The other girl was a boxer too. And then they wound up grappling like the whole time. Um, and there was no finish. So Heather Hardy won a decision, which I'm sure Bellator is stoked about. Um, but yeah, it, it, it still kind of baffles me how they have, they do have legit fighters like Patricky Pitbull. He's probably at one point could have been ranked in the top 10 lightweights. Um, but then, you know, on the same card, you have Heather Hardy, who's coming in at one and one, and you're putting marketing dollars behind this. Uh, it, so it's like they can't get away from the sideshow stuff that that got them a lot of attention in the first place. You know, Ken Shamrocks and Hoist Gracie and uh, Dada Five Thousand. Um, I don't I don't want to say Kimbo because I feel like. Kimbo did actually prove himself a little bit when he went through the ultimate fighter and everything like that. And he had some, some decent showings, like he at least belonged in there, but uh, I don't know, just this, it, it's hard to take them serious. Like how much does a, a belt mean in an organization that that's putting on like these sideshow fights? I understand you want to build up fighters, but put them on the undercard, you know, let them get a few fights under their belt. And then, uh, I don't, I don't know. So, uh, Liam McGeary taking a loss to, uh, Vadim Nemkov. He, uh, he got stopped with leg kicks and it was pretty nasty. And when he went down, he could not get back up. So a uh, good stoppage by Dan Mergliata. And then the only other thing I'd talk about is Taiwan Claxton knocked out his opponent. These guys both had under three professional fights, I think. So, uh, I wouldn't put either of them in there with anybody who has experience, but, uh, it was entertaining for what it was. It was a nasty, uh, elbow knockout. So overall, not, you know, not an incredibly exciting card, but it was all right. I watched it Saturday morning while I was drinking my coffee. Uh, I didn't stay up to watch this on Friday night. I was like, I have other things to do. So I just stayed off social media and I did, did Bellator Saturday morning. Uh, any other thoughts on Bellator before we move on, Jeff? No, I was just a little surprised to see that Liam McGeary lost, a uh, former light heavyweight champion. He's beaten Tito Ortiz before, so I, I might have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, it seems like uh, I guess Phil Davis kind of knocked the wind out of his sails a little bit. And, it, you know, Nemkov was, was pretty impressive. I hadn't heard of him before, but he, he's got some real nasty leg kicks. Uh, young kid, Russian only 25 years old he's nine and two now so uh mcgeary is the first name that i recognize on his record but he could be somebody to look out for uh the the light heavyweight division is is pretty weak across all the organizations we've talked about this several times jeff so uh pretty good card sunday night uh, the Sunday, the Sunday night cards kind of kill me cause it's tough to stay, stay up for them and then get up for work the next day and drinking vodka and Capri sun. So it, it's not a good start to the week for me, but it was a good end to the weekend. So UFC fight night, one twenty six. 
from Austin, Texas, headlined by Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Yancey Medeiros. Kind of an awkward start to this main event. So at the weigh-in, Yancey gives Cowboy a Cowboy hat, and then before the fight, they they high-five and hug, and then they hug after an exchange after Yancey gets knocked down or falls down and gets back up. They hug again. And it was kind of distracting and kind of weird. I'm all for sportsmanship, but, you know, maybe maybe save it for after the fight. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Jeff? Yeah, I thought it was cool, the the hat at the weigh-ins. But, yeah, I agree with you. I it, The hug in the middle of the cage was a little weird, especially, you know, either one of them could have popped the other one and, you know, kind of ruined it there. But overall, I, I was really impressed with Donald Cerrone, man. Um, he's been in this game a while and he, he showed this young lion that, uh, it's not easy to get to the top. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was, a it was a risky fight for both guys because Cowboy is coming off a three fight losing streak. Granted, it's all against top tier competition, but still a three fight losing streak. Usually that puts most people out of the UFC and somehow he still manages to headline a card because He's one of the most popular fighters on the roster for good reason. Uh, he's got a marketable personality. Uh, he sells his fights on his own social media and everything like that. Uh, you know, his out of the cage lifestyle is, is admirable. And Yancey was a, a pretty quick turnaround for him. It was an exciting fight, but uh, Donald Cerrone, who's notoriously a slow starter, once he got in his rhythm, uh, it was pretty much all over. It was downhill for Yancey. Um, so I, I don't think this is the end of the road for Yancey Medeiros whatsoever. He's still a young kid. He still puts on really exciting fights. I think he's really starting to get some mainstream recognition. Uh, and he was on a, a three fight winning streak going into this. Uh, he had a, what was a candidate for fight of the year against Cowboy Oliveira in December. So it was a quick turnaround for him. Uh, the thing is, the point a lot of people have been making is that once Cowboy gets comfortable in there, <clears throat> like if he, he gets friendly and buddy-buddy and with you, that's when he turns it up. But if someone's in there who hates him, then that's when he backs down a little bit. So if he's able to be the bully and dictate the pace, that's when he does his best. And when someone else bullies him and gets in his face that's when he kind of cracks a little bit that's what we saw when he fought darren till when he fought nate diaz when he fought jorge masvidal um you, you know same same story uh different co-star uh any other thoughts on this main event the other thing i want to point out is that after the fight yancy Medeiros showed some awesome sportsmanship and class when he jumped over the cage to hug cowboy Cerrone's grandmother who uh has been part of Cowboy's story for a long time. You know, she raised him and she's been his biggest fan forever. So I, I thought that was a really cool moment. I could have done without all the displays of affection leading up to the fight. But uh, afterwards, I, I like to see stuff like that. Any other thoughts on this main event, Jeff? Yeah, dude, it was awesome seeing Yanti Madero's go up to um cowboy's grandma give her a hug that that was really nice and i'm like you i enjoy you know uh i enjoy a little bit of smack talking before the fight leading up to it and then i love seeing these guys hug it out afterwards and bill i got a question for you where do you see donald cerrone because 
He says he wants to go back down to lightweight, but he has been looking great at welterweight despite his three losses. Yeah, I don't like the move back down to lightweight, to, and I would like to see him stay at, at welterweight. I wouldn't say he looks like he's put on weight, but he has filled out. You know, he's at that age where it's going to be really tough. I know it wasn't that hard of a cut for him, but it's been a couple of years since he's been down at lightweight. His last fight at lightweight was in December of 2015 against Rafael Dos Anjos. So uh, the difference, I can tell you <laughs> personally, the difference between 32 and 34 in terms of your body's ability to shed weight is much different. You just kind of fill out a little bit more. You start developing muscle in places that you didn't have before, and your body just retains water differently. There's just, it's just one of those transitional ages. So I don't like that move for him. Although there are some really exciting fights down there. Yeah. You know, there's always the Khabib fight that never happened. They had a lot of drama back in the day. I would like to see that come together, but then it, it's only a matter of time before Khabib moves up to welterweight because he can't stay at lightweight forever. So I'd like to see him stay at welterweight. Uh, I don't know what I would give him next. Maybe, geez, maybe Steven Thompson, something like that. If, if he doesn't have anything lined up, that would be, that would be kind of a fun fight. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I like the Steven Thompson uh, scenario. Uh, I would love to see him get it on with Khabib. But uh, I, I, I think Cerrone would make the way. I don't know if Khabib would. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Khabib's had a lot of weight problems in the past. Too much tiramisu and all that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I think we can move on a little bit to a division that we've said is a is looking a little stale, but it got a little bit of a, a new breath of life here with Derek Lewis knocking out. March, uh, marching to Bura in the third round in the co-main event with uh, TKO. And it was looking uh, it was looking a little dire for him. I'm not going to lie to you, Bill, in the first couple rounds. I thought he won the first round. The second round, I think Tabora's grappling really showed. And Derek Lewis, I think he really needs to work off his back because he looked like he was in a lot of trouble there. Yeah, the thing that he does, uh, besides going deep in his wife after fights... <laughs> <laughs> he always has the best post-fight speeches. Yeah. I'm going deep in my wife. Uh, <laughs> but something that he does is when he gets taken down, he'll rest in bad positions. He'll let guys stay in side control or, or even take his back. Uh, he did the same thing with Roy Nelson. And then once he rested, he would, he just bench pressed Roy off of him. And that's pretty much what he did with Marcin Tabora, he kind of rested in those bad positions and he would kind of swat away punches. He like not take any real damage and he would explode when he wanted to get up and he conserved his energy. I think he said to his corner at one point, it's going to be a long night. Cause I feel really lethargic out here. I don't feel like doing this. And we know that's been a problem for him in the past. His fight against Mark hunt, where he just completely ran out of gas. Uh, I mean, the stoppage came not because he couldn't continue, but because he couldn't 
breathe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not like it's not like he was knocked out or anything. He was just so winded he couldn't fight anymore. So conditioning is a problem for the Black Beast. I mean, he cuts weight to make heavyweight. Uh, awesome knockout. Uh, you know, he has dynamite in that right hand. I think it could put down any heavyweight in the division if he connects the right way. But he will have trouble against those upper-level guys. If he gets in there with Verdum or with Stipe, they're going to give him fits on the ground. You know, they're not going to let him just rest on the ground. Those are guys that are going to beat his ass once they get him down to the mat. So that's a problem for him. I, I would really like to see him in, in Ganu. Uh, him and Overeem would be really fun. And I'd like to see Tabura get back in there too. Uh, I think he really showed his toughness in his fight with Verdum. Uh, you know, I think it was five rounds he went with Fabrizio Verdum's former world champion. So he definitely proved his medal there. Uh, he's a really tough guy. And I, I think he is what the heavyweight division needs because he's a good grappler, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, brown belt. He's 32, which is a spring chicken for this heavyweight division <laughs> at the time. Um, and let's see. Yeah, it was five rounds that he went with for Doom. You know, he's got wins over Arlovsky, which I don't know how much that says these days. It depends which Arlovsky shows up. But, uh, you know, exciting kid. You know, we got a lot of good fighters coming out of Poland. So I thought it was a great fight. Really exciting. Any other thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I just want to say one last thing about Derek Lewis. He looked impressive when he got that knockout because it was a little bit of grappling that he showed. He kind of took Tabor to the ground really quick. And then as Tabor was getting up in that separation is when Derek Lewis connected with a, a left hand that rocked him and then the right hand dropped him. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really impressed with that, just that uh, chaining of – of um different situations with grappling and then as they're separating you hit um as you're separating i've always been impressed by that I, f I feel like that's such an intricate nuance in the fight game and people who are really good at it they usually can hurt you in those transitions and Derek lewis you know he looked good i'd like to see him actually go up against curtis blades next mm. uh, he was thinking of fighting him and as for tabora i'd actually like to see him take on nganu since they're both coming off of losses what do you think bill yeah that sounds good i think i think there's a lot of good combinations you can do with this heavyweight division which is which is awesome um and you got a couple of couple of younger guys that are coming up too uh chase sherman and things like that so you know once they work their way up to uh, being in the top 10 uh, we could actually have some interesting things going on in this division in the meantime we'll have daniel cormier come up and mix things up so the fight before that uh not too exciting james vick and francisco trinaldo who i realized last night francisco trinaldo looks like the dad from the wayans brothers i don't know if you remember <laughs> i don't know if you're old enough for the wayans brothers Jeff, but the crazy dad that owned like the he owned like the the little uh the diner, I think it new, was. Yeah, the diner uh next to the newspaper stand. Yes. That was in a in a train station or a bus station. <laughs> I can't remember like I know like every episode took place on this one set and I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh anyway, um not much to say about this fight. Pretty clear victory for James Vick. He kept the distance, which 
is pretty easy to do when you're six foot three and 155 pounds. Uh, <laughs> and, and then at the end, he, he he's like, nobody wants to fight me. I would have finished this fight, but I dislocated my pinky, which I'm sure is really painful. I've never done it. Uh, he's like, I dislocated my pinky and he saw it and, and then he tried to capitalize. So I had to just hold him, hold him at bay. It's like, all right, dude, come on. Vitor Belfort broke John Jones's arm and then he submitted him. Like, <laughs> don't like, like, don't, don't use the, the pinky as an excuse for why you didn't finish a fight. Like James Vick is a bad motherfucker. Nine and one in the UFC. You don't need to be making excuses for why you didn't finish guys. So uh, other than that, any other thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that James Vick fought the right way, used his length, kept Trinaldo away from him, and Trinaldo just couldn't find an answer for him, which I imagine would have been hard. He was like a foot shorter than Vick. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's tough to get in there. It was <laughs> He just like couldn't close the distance. But in any case, um, I'll, I'll let you introduce the next fight here, Jeff, on the card. Yeah, so the the previous fight was at welterweight division, uh, Curtis Curtis Melender versus Thiago Alves. Who, Bill? I forgot Thiago Alves was a person, much less like a <laughs> UFC fighter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh God, this dude hasn't fought in like a year or something. Yeah, his um, last win was against Patrick Cote, I think, last January. Or, or something like that. And uh, Cote retired that night, and I kind of just assumed Alves did too. <laughs> and then the UFC tweeted. Uh, I, I I found out later it was a Twitter takeover by Elias Theodoru, but they they tweeted something about it was a GIF with Robert Downey Jr., and it said something about Alves, but it spelled his name wrong. I was like, even the UFC forgot that Tiago Alves exists. <laughs> like... <laughs> But in any case, impressive performance by Curtis Melender. But, you know, a young, hungry lion against, uh, you know, a post-USADA Tiago Alves who's kind of uh, just kind of hanging around still. Um, I feel like there, it's just awkward that he's still here. You know, it was the match with Patrick Cote. Cote retired afterwards. Tiago should have too. And... I, I was listening to um, the fighter and the kid today, and Brendan Schaub was like, "Tiago Alves is like 49." So, and it, it kind of seems that way. Jeff, do you know how old he is? I have no idea, dude. He's 34 fucking years old. Oh God, he he didn't. He looked a lot older, actually. Dude, I don't know if he's like the Elian Gonzalez. Like they lied about his age to get him in the youth <laughs> MMA league. <laughs> like, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was definitely way older because it feels like he's been fighting forever. But no, 34 years old. He's the same age as Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, in any case, Melender had an impressive performance, almost knocked Tiago out in the first round and then kind of walked away. He was being courteous to live up to his nickname. But uh, Jacob Montalvo, the referee, did not stop it at that point. And Melender got criticized for that. I didn't think it was that bad that he didn't want to follow up because... You know, what would happen is Tiago Alves would just get battered and knocked out anyway in the second round. Uh, any other thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, I thought his celebration was a little 
premeditated. It was a little too early, but uh, hey, man, he looked impressive in there. He was hitting Tiago Alves with some hard shots using his reach advantage. Uh, he looked good in the striking department. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought his striking was really impressive. He had a really diverse array of strikes. Supposedly, he's got a great wrestling background as well. So I'd be looking forward to uh, seeing him get back in there pretty quick. Um, I'll skip around a little bit. Sage Northcutt. Um, let's see. I don't really have too much of an opinion about Sage Northcutt, and he's the kind of fighter that people love him or hate him. And I know the UFC has really gotten behind him because he has this look uh, like Zach Morris and AC Slater's love child. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the kid, he could definitely be a model of some kind. Uh, smart kid, super nice, uh, really skilled uh, martial artist but not the most well-rounded mixed martial arts fighter. Um, so um, I, I don't really know what to do with him from here. You know, he won the unanimous decision. It was a little bit controversial because he got taken down and beaten up a little bit. Uh, and, and a lot of people were saying it was like a robbery, but then you look at the statistics. He outstruck T-Ball Guti, I think, 111 to... 29 or some something ridiculous like that i don't remember the exact numbers but it was a lot to a little jeff um but it, you know people were going on complaining because they hate this guy like people really hate him for some reason uh, i don't know if it's like a jealousy thing because he's you know he's good looking kid he's fit and everything and maybe he doesn't have the skills to be there so he doesn't really deserve to be in the ufc so there's a, he has a lot of haters uh, I'm not necessarily one of them. I don't, I don't really care. Uh, you know, he's getting in there and putting it on the line and fighting. Um, uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, but I caught this one in bits and pieces. Uh, I felt like Sage Northcutt kind of won out there and got the job done. Uh, another day at the office for him. I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. I would just like to see him improve that grappling game, dude. It's been in a weakness that's been, um, you know, uh, it's been utilized a lot by other fighters. You know, his loss to Mickey Gall came from uh, the lack of a grappling game. But, yeah, dude, um, I don't understand the hate. I mean, Sage Northcutt, he's a good kid, man. Um, you know, he calls Uriah Faber Mr. Faber. Yeah. Starts talking funny. about Jesus after his fight. He's a nice kid, man. I, I don't understand the hate. But, um, but yeah, dude, just uh, the fact that he calls Uriah Faber Mr. Faber cracks me up, man. There's this episode <laughs> of, uh, there's this episode of um, Joe Rogan's podcast where, where he's got Uriah Faber on it, and Uriah Faber says, dude, you can stop calling me Mr. Faber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that, that is pretty hilarious. But he's a really respectful kid, and, I mean, he – the problem is like what what can he do with him cuz the fact of the matter is he's 10 and 2 and he's 21 years old he's a marketing dream but he doesn't have the skills to compete with the top level fighters i mean if you put him in there with khabib and he's dead like he'll he'll khabib khabib would pound him through the mat <laughs> um, I, I mean, look what he did to, to, uh, 
Um, guys like Edson Barbosa, who's a, a yeah. beast on the ground, according to his training partners. Uh, he ragdolled him. He ragdolled uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, who's huge, uh, lightweight. Um, so, yeah, the grappling thing. And he does have time, but the problem is he's already been in there and had so much hype around him. How long can you keep him at this level and, and give him feeder fights? Like there, There's like an awkward period here because he probably needs three or four years to develop the grappling skills to be able to hang in, in the top 10 or the top five or the top 15 even of that division. But he's already so well known and so marketable that you have to, you know, you have to utilize, you have to leverage that when you're marketing these cards. But you know, how many tomato cans can you put in front of the guy before people start to catch on? Uh, the other thing about his stand up too, since he comes from that karate style, he doesn't throw enough volume. So he moves in and out really quickly, but he only lands one or two shots. So, well, over time, they add up to 111 or 120, how many strikes he landed. The other thing is with that style, he moves forward and backwards. Now, he started to do a little bit better. I think he started listening to his corner at one point towards the end of the first round. He started circling a little bit, but for the most part, he was going in and out. And that becomes a problem if your back is up against the cage because you move in, you move back, and then you're up against the cage and you're getting taken down. So... Uh, those are all the issues with Sage Northcutt, and I'm not sure what the solution is, but I don't think the UFC is worried about solving it right now because he's coming off a win, and the kid puts butts in seats, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. So, uh, it, you know, it may get to a certain point where they do feed him to Khabib and, uh, you know, just let him eat his face in there. <laughs> I don't know. Um so that's that there was a bunch of first round finishes on this card jeff i think one two three four five five first round finishes oh six including the main event uh, i didn't catch much of the undercard is there anything you want to kind of give a rundown of is there anything i should go back and watch here actually did not catch the undercard but bill if there's one fight that i think you should go back and watch it's uh if you didn't it's brandon davis versus steven peterson that was a really entertaining fight it was really back and forth um <clears throat> super fun to watch steven peterson has this big superman tattoo uh in the middle of his chest so um the commentators were saying that uh davis is his kryptonite which was pretty funny but uh but, yeah, super entertaining fight, man. Uh, it looked like Peterson was going to get knocked out in the third round. He had the he had the stanky leg going. Yeah. And he stayed in it, man. Uh, tough kid. I'd love to see him in there again. Uh, both of these guys, I'd love to see them in there again. So definitely go back and check that one out if you haven't. Yeah, I, I did catch that fight. It was it was uh, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. It was a. It was a good war. Uh, one thing I've learned since moving to the South is that guys in the South will get literally anything tattooed on them. I don't know if there's like a lot of tattoo bets that go on down here, but I've seen some awful ink. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> do people know that's on you forever? <laughs> people don't care, Bill. <laughs> um, But... I don't know. Maybe it's a tattoo bet thing or uh, I don't know, but overall this was a good card. Uh, if I have some time this week, I do want to go back and watch 
some of this undercard because it looked like it was really exciting. A lot of first round finishes. Um, the the next event we have coming up is UFC on Fox 28, and it's in Orlando, Florida, which is pretty close to me. But unfortunately, I won't be able to make my way out there because uh, I have a six year old daughter at home. So I guess that uh, that kind of takes priority over me going to sporting events <laughs> uh, two hours away. Uh, I, I would like I, I would like to go to this card though. This card looks pretty awesome. Uh, I have been to a UFC in Orlando before. There's a great story behind that, as you know, Jeff. But I'm saving that story for, uh, I think, for when Nate Diaz has a fight booked, which we didn't talk about, Jeff. Right after Derek Lewis's performance in Austin on Sunday night, they pan to the crowd and show Nate Diaz put his name and his MMA record up on the screen, and then he holds up a monster of a joint and puts it in his mouth and pretends to light it. Uh <laughs> I mean, for those who don't know, weed is still very illegal in Texas, <laughs> especially in public places, especially a nine pound joint. <laughs> that you, it was like a, it was like a fucking cartoon, Jeff. That he <laughs> so um, I, I don't know if he just doesn't care if he's not planning to fight anytime soon. Like I like clearly you saw his was at his house waiting for him when he got home after this. But you have to laugh when you see stuff like this. What I didn't like is when I saw uh, headlines that said Nate Diaz lights a joint on camera. He very clearly didn't light it. He put it in his mouth and he held up the lighter and he flicked it. Like, don't, don't exaggerate for your fucking clickbait headline. You want to be journalists. Um, anyway, uh, thoughts on the, on the joint, Jeff. Bill, uh, at first I was a little amused by it, and then I was like, dude, that's so unprofessional. Um, you know, I highly doubt that's how the UFC wants itself to be presented. And, Bill, you you know I'm a teacher. So as as a teacher, I try to play by the rules, and, you know, you got you to gotta be a certain way, and you got to be super professional. You know, like, I don't even tell the kids that, I, that I'm on a podcast about UFC and beer. So, um, you know, I, I just thought it was it was a little unprofessional. And like you said, dude, I mean, I guess it's okay for him because he doesn't fight. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it because, you know, he does have that certain I, I don't give a fuck mentality. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Like, I don't think he's looking to be anybody's role model. But at the same time, you're in a job that's very public facing and this was on free TV on a Sunday night. So it, you know, does it discourage people from letting their kids watch or anything like that? And do you lose viewers? I, I think anything like that would probably be marginal. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be, uh, yeah, anyone boycotting the UFC over it, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not a good look. Although I wouldn't be surprised, people are, seem to be boycotting everything else these days, which is something I want to get into. Jeff, here's a little non MMA current events. So last week, I I found out they're releasing a Peter Rabbit movie, which Peter Rabbit is uh, an old time children's story about 
you know, some rabbits that are harassing this farmer and the farmer tries to get rid of the rabbits. So in the movie, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've, have you heard about this yet, Jeff, Peter Rabbit? Probably not. So people are boycotting this movie because in the movie the the farmer who's like the antagonist, the bad guy is allergic to blackberries. So the rabbits, what they decide to do is they go get blackberries and, and, and throw them at the farmer because they know he's allergic to them or maybe they didn't. Maybe that's just, you know, their weapon of choice, whatever. So, uh, people took to the internet outraged. They're calling this allergy bullying, Jeff. And I, I just find it really hard to believe that I have to raise a daughter in a world where allergy bullying is a thing. Um, <laughs> like I, I understand the right to protest and everything like that, but it becomes, it becomes kind of meaningless after a while. It's like, well, what are we protesting this week? You know, things like, like civil rights and, and the apartheid and women's right to vote. Like these are things that warranted boycotting and protesting and, and like demanding for things to be changed because it's a difference between right and wrong. I can't get on board with allergy bullying, Jeff. I don't know what your stance is on it, but, uh, I can't get behind this nonsense. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't really know what to say, man. I mean, it's just a movie. Yeah. Um, I, uh... you know what I say? Like if I, if I don't like a movie or if I don't like the content of a movie, I don't watch the movie. <laughs> and the other thing is like, if this farmer's allergic to blackberries, why the fuck is he growing them in his garden? <laughs> That is also a fair point. Like, he kind of deserves it at that point. <laughs> That's fair. And like, like, hold on, how does the allergy work? Like, because usually when you're allergic to like fruit, you just can't eat it. So what yeah. do the rabbits gain by throwing them at him? Yeah, and I don't know. Is he getting a rash if it gets on his skin, or are they like, are they going breaking into his house and force feeding it to him in his sleep? Like, and and are fruit allergies gonna kill a grown adult? Like if anything, it probably have like he'll wake up a little itchy or something. But <laughs> I mean, it seems it seems like it's getting to the point. Like, what can you do uh, to to be creative and, and to put content out there? Because it seems like it's being very limited. And you know, as a child of the '80s, I just I, I know I sound like an old man. Like I just can't I can't be in support of this bullshit. Like enough is enough. Like save the boycotting and the protesting for causes that are worthy of it, because otherwise it really loses its luster. It's like it's like you stop paying attention to it. Like oh, what are we protesting this week? Oh yeah, all right. Don't throw fruit at farmers. Okay, well, what's what's the next thing? Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, in any case, let's get back on track to some MMA here. So, uh, fight night on Fox from orlando florida next weekend headlined by josh emmett and jeremy stevens somebody's probably going to sleep in this main event uh i love that this main event was made i don't really understand why it was um but they're both coming off big knockout wins and these are both knockout artists and i'm excited for this fight what about you jeff definitely dude emmett is scary man I mean, Ricardo Lamas is a tough dude. And for Emmett to just come in on like 
two weeks notice or two days notice, I forget what it was, and just knock him out. I I would be I'm worried for Jeremy Stevens, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I I mean this is a tough one. Um, you know, Jeremy Stevens is one of these guys that like right when you count him out, that's when he comes out of nowhere with a big knockout. Uh that that's what makes this fight so intriguing. Then I'm just gonna run down this card, Jeff, and you tell me what jumps out to you the most because there's a lot that sticks out to me and I can't I can't narrow down a focus here and I only want to talk about a couple of fights for the sake of time. So we got the co main event, Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres. We got Ovin St. Pru and Alir Latifi. We got Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry and Max Griffin. We got Hannon Barrow in there against Brian Kelleher, uh, Marion Renault and Sarah McMahon, Angela Hill and Marina Morose, Alan Joban and Ben Killaby Saunders, and then Gilbert Burns and Olivier, Olivier Alban Mercier, uh, Marcin Prochnino and Sam Alvey, and then uh, Ronnie Yaya against Russell Doan. Uh, there's a lot of fights that are really interesting on here so out of all the ones i just rattled off jeff if you can only watch one what are you tuning in for oh this is this is a tough one man uh i'm gonna go ahead and say Owen st prue versus latifi because that skill matchup looks really interesting to me uh Owen st prue really solid grappling even better striking and latifi Grew up in Sweden, tough ass wrestler, and he's added striking. He's added, he's got power in his hands. So th that is, uh, aside from the main event, that is the most interesting fight on this card to me. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting matchup because Latifi probably has the better wrestling credentials. I don't know if he's necessarily been able to translate his wrestling to MMA yet. Uh, he definitely has the pedigree. There's no denying that. I think he was, uh, on the Swedish national team. And Ovin St. Prue is one of these guys who, you know, when he's on, he's really on. And when he's not, he's really not. Uh, so you never know what you're going to get here. So both of these guys can end the fight with a knockout. If it ends in a submission, I would assume it's by St. Prue. I don't see St. Prue being able to take Latifi down because of his, because of Latifi's wrestling. But I don't see Latifi implementing an offensive wrestling game either. So if this fight does go to the ground, it's because of a knockdown by one fighter or the other. And hmm, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting variables here. I'm excited for that one too. Uh, I'm always excited to watch Mike Perry these days. He's coming off the loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio, which was a crazy bloody fight. And you couldn't even tell who was who in that fight because they both had beards and braids in the same color trunks, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's a really exciting one. And Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres should be uh, a really badass fight. Jessica Andrade seems like a fucking world beater in this division uh, since she moved down to strawweight. And Tisha Torres, her only loss uh, was a decision loss to the champion Rose Namajunas. So I see this fight being really competitive. Uh, and I think it's really great and well-deserving of a co-main event here. 
uh, Jessica Andrade's last performance against Claudia Gedalia was just a one-sided beating. Uh, it was, you know, she really thrashed her. So, and Atisha Torres has has great wrestling. So, and she's coming off the win against Michelle Waterson. So, I I really like this fight, and uh, I'm really excited for that one personally. But this card looks awesome, Jeff. Now now that I've really kind of um, broken the surface of it and we took a little bit of a deeper dive anything else uh catching your eye on here yeah dude i'm excited to actually see henan barrow i'm excited for the sarah mcmahon fight i love sarah mcmahon she's awesome to watch in there uh like you said the, the andrage and tisha torres fight looks awesome i think that if tisha torres looks anything like she did against michelle waterson i think she's gonna really really uh spark it up in there um yeah dude this whole card looks really really interesting a lot of high level strikers a lot of really good grapplers in here so this is going to be awesome even some of the um fight pass prelims look good yeah i mean would it be really wrong to get a babysitter at uh at six weeks old that's <laughs> so i go check out this ufc it's probably a little soon huh <laughs> uh, anyway you got anything else you want to get off your chest this week, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. So on a little bit of a sadder note, um, there was that school shooting in Florida about a week ago, man. And it just it really hit me when I was I was in the gym, I think the day after. I think it was Thursday. And I'm watching the news and, you know, they were just kids, man, 14 years old, 15 year olds. Uh, the one teacher who was trying to help kids get into his classroom and then lock the door, he he got taken out. So it's just it's super sad, man, and and it makes me a little apprehensive to to keep teaching and and just to know that that at one point something like that can happen. Actually, Bill, um, at the end of January, uh, there was a school shooting about a block away from my high school because uh, there's like a couple of other high schools. Uh, near where I'm at. So it just, it's crazy the the times we live in, man. Because when I was in high school, the only thing I was thinking about was playing soccer, getting my homework done, and, you know, chasing tail. So <laughs> it, it's crazy, man. Like, you know, I, I don't understand what goes through a person's head to, to be able to want to do something like that, you know? Yeah. it It's hard to say what it is, you know, what kind of cultural influences there are, but. Uh, I got to say, Jeff, I think we need teachers like you to stay out there and look for the warning signs for, you know, when kids might be having a hard time at home or, uh, you know, they're going through some struggles. I, I don't feel like these things come out of nowhere, you know, these terrible tragedies. Um, I, I feel like we're so quick to try to sweep things under the rug and, and ignore the way people are behaving if it's if it's out of the ordinary. But I think. You know, we need to, as a society, we need to pay closer attention to people and uh, and and start taking care of one another a little bit more and, you know, being a little bit more aware of the way people are behaving around us. And that goes for kids at school and grownups as well, because, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. Like, it all comes down to just be good to each other because you never know what what somebody's going through in their head. But terrible tragedy. So... We, we definitely, you know, our heart goes out to the victims and their families for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, 
I don't I don't really know what to say about it other than that I know there are a lot of political conversations that could stem from this but I think uh, we'll just leave it at you know our thoughts are with the victims and their families there so all right great uh, great show Jeff so I think uh, we'll we'll, e we'll end it on that note uh, unless unless you got anything else hold on hold on, hold on. Uh, you know let's let's not end it on on the doom and gloom man <laughs> you know life's too short for that we gotta we gotta finish this. You know, our, like we said, our hearts go out to, to the victims and families. But to leave you guys on a positive note, Fergie messed up the anthem mm. at the NBA um, All-Star Game, which I didn't even know because I didn't know that the NBA had an All-Star Game. <laughs> so I didn't um, yeah, that was the only reason I knew that game even happened. Yeah. I, I don't know what the results were or who was in it except for the guys uh that they showed in the video trying not to laugh <laughs> while fergie was singing um i th the best response i saw to it was fergie did such a terrible job with the national anthem that colin kaepernick stood up and told her <laughs> to stop because she was <laughs> disrespecting the national anthem <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! So that was the that was the winner. Uh, yeah, I man, what is the NBA thinking too? When like, oh, we need a great singer for this All Star game that's really going to draw some attention. And somebody was like, I know, Fergie. <laughs> like, <laughs> they have they have like don't they have like three other Black Eyed Peas members they could choose from? Come on now. Yeah, probably any one of them would have been a better choice. <laughs> probably like anybody like anybody dating one of the NBA players probably <laughs> could have done better. Uh you know, maybe like the the lady selling hot dogs, tell her to throw her hairnet to the side and get out there and fucking belt out the national anthem. That might have been better. Yeah, she tried to do like a jazzy rendition of it. It was hard to listen to, man. Uh I, I know some people come into her defense like, oh, wasn't that bad? Like, yeah fucking was yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was not good i mean i'm not <laughs> i'm no singer <laughs> so i i don't feel like I, I don't know i don't know if i could do any better but i don't know if i could do any worse <laughs> like, like i i i would probably be really bad but i wouldn't be like going viral bad <laughs> <laughs> like everybody in attendance would be like, oh, that wasn't that good, but they wouldn't be like, <laughs> I wouldn't be all over the internet, you know? So that's why I feel justified saying that she sucked. <laughs> that's fair. She may have broken the internet with her voice. Yeah, <laughs> she might have. <laughs> all right, Jeff, we covered a lot. So if you want to reach out to us about fighting or allergy bullying or Fergie or <laughs> or uh froggy vodka uh <laughs> please do so you can reach jeff at animal underscore wilson on twitter and you guys know how to get a hold of me of course it's at mma on the rocks twitter facebook instagram anywhere on the internet send me an email mma on the rocks gmail.com please download the podcast on your favorite po podcast platform leave us a review and shoot us a line let me know what you're thinking and drinking until next time cheers everybody goodbye <laughs>